1: This is On The Mark. Very excited for today's episode. Tom Thibodeau, the former Bulls head coach, former Minnesota Timberwolves team president and head coach on the show today. Looking forward to talking to Tibbs and also really enjoying the NBA playoffs. What is going on in Golden State? People are panicking or at least expressing concern about Boogie Cousins being out for the playoffs. Don't worry about it, Golden State fans. You will be fine. At least if you lose, it won't be because of Boogie Cousins. Interesting things going on in Philadelphia. I think the Nets have a real shot in that series. And yeah, the Boston Celtics, they are my pick to come out of the Eastern Conference. I'm going to bring that up with Tibbs at some point in the interview. And let's bring him in right now. A man who needs no introduction, former Bulls head coach. Recently, of course, with the Minnesota Timberwolves. I actually want to talk about the bulls Celtics series when he was an assistant in Boston. But we'll start with Derek Rose. Tibbs, thanks so much for taking time. You uh, you were in town, you you watched Pooh, the Derek Rose story. I, I saw you doing work over there at, at uh, watchstadium.com. I you had to have loved the the piece they put together. What'd you think?
2: Yeah, I thought they, they did a terrific job. I, I I thought they captured, you know, who he is, what he went through, what he means to the city, what the city means to him, what the Bulls mean to him. Uh, you know, I I thought it was just incredibly well done. Uh, and, I, and I was glad for Derek. I, I think a lot of people got a chance to see who he really is. And I think, Mark, you've been around him, but a lot of people haven't been around him uh you can see the type of person that he is and you can also see you know how his teammates uh feel about him every one of his teammates has always loved playing with him and uh I loved what Joaquin Noah did throughout that documentary I thought he was terrific as, as well and I really thought that he captured what Derek meant to that team and how strongly Joaquin felt about him so it's interesting that you bring up
1: Joaquin because I thought one piece that was super interesting that Joakim talked about was that he felt guilty because he wanted him to come back, and maybe he was thinking about himself and not thinking about Derek because perhaps it wasn't best for him to come back at that point, which I think history has proved wasn't. Were you kind of the same way, like, hey man, I I love to, you know, you you really want him to come back because you want to win? Yeah, and
2: I think you know when you look back now and, and. you know, no one knew. And that was a big part of the problem. You know, like, you know, we're all hopeful that, you know, he would come back the second half of the year, but no one knew. And and we see today that with an ACL, you know, some are shorter than others. Some would require more time. Uh, But as it proved out, uh, Derek was being totally honest, which is, you know, right in line with his character uh, that he felt he wasn't ready uh, to go and you know, in the end, you could be cleared medically, but the player has to have that trust in his body that he can play the way he likes to play or the way he's accustomed to playing. And I felt that that's, you know, maybe was was lost in that, you know, in that, in that part of it where, you know, Derek was saying he felt good, but he didn't feel like he could play the way he's capable of playing. And I think Derek being the type Derek's a pleaser, you know, he didn't want to let anyone down. He didn't want to let you know the Bulls down. He didn't want to let himself down, his family down, and the pressure of playing in his hometown. Uh, you know, in, in what the Bulls meant to him and what what he did for that team. Um, that was that was a lot to handle. He had, in, uh, you know, and it's you know this past year, uh, you know, with the Timberwolves last summer was the first summer in five years that he could really work on basketball, and I think we saw when he came back, you know how how good he was he, you know he was averaging almost 19 points a game and he he was shooting the ball great and but that was a, a byproduct of the work that he was able to put in in the summer and and not having to go through rehab and i think when you look back now and you you say you know it's hard to go through one year of rehab and basically the guy had to go through three consecutive years of that which is you know it's a tough road and I, and the interesting thing to me is also just seeing how much Derek has grown from you know being the 22 year old MVP of the league to where he is today, and going through all those experiences. And there there were some incredible highs, and there were some very low moments. But then to come out on the other side and uh, be better for it, and you know, it showed his perseverance and his ability uh, to get past things. And you know, and he's playing at a high level again.
1: And you've been there for all of it, Tibbs. It's there's there's so much you just said that I want to ask you about. But here let's let's go back to the 22-year-old MVP. Your first year and he's saying, "Why before the season, why can't I be the MVP?" Did you think he was nuts yeah. when he said that?
2: Not really, because you know, like when I when I was uh, you know, looking at that job and I studied him closely, and what he had done, and when you dig back into what he did in high school, it was pretty incredible in terms of the winning and impact that he had on his team there. And then his freshman year at Memphis, to, you know, to get to the national championship game, pretty incredible. Then he's rookie of the year. Uh, and then the way he played in the playoffs as a rookie. Uh, and then, you know, the, to, the MVP season was just ridiculous. And the way he played in big games. Uh, and the way he dominated. And you're sitting there and you're saying, you know, it's really storybook, bro- uh, the way his career had unfolded up to that point. There there were, weren't really any bumps in the road. And, uh, you know, he had all this success, and then all of a sudden he gets hurt and everything changed. You know, and it changed very quickly. And, you know, I, I still think that that team was, you know, was capable of winning a championship if he doesn't get hurt.
1: There's no doubt about it. Um, but that year, you know, there was this, it was the strike and the games were back to back to back and he was banged up all the way. Uh, do you, like, it, it, you weren't playing at the same level going into the playoffs of that year that you had the year prior, but you still feel like that team was, like, was coming together right at the right moment, I guess?
2: Well, the, to be honest with you, like, when you look at the numbers of that year, they actually, that the second year was actually better than the first year. And Derek missed the number of those games. I believe we were fifty and six sixteen. Yep. Which was the best record in the league. And so and uh Derek had missed a number of those games, uh, with little nagging things and you know, like and unfortunately like with when you have a lockout like we did, you, you you're missing summer, you're missing the fall workouts, then there's very little practice and there's a condensed schedule. So you're dealing with all those factors but the thing that we had the second year i think was the confidence that we could beat anyone like the first year we weren't quite sure when we started off and then we got real hot and we rolled but the second year there was a belief that we could do it you know when you go back and you look at look at that miami series uh we, you know we blew miami out in the first game and then every game after that was you know very close that we had a good chance to win all of them you know and we just we, we fell short but I think we gained, we learned a lot. We were a very young team, and so uh, going into the second year, that's all everyone talked about, right, from the start of the season. Uh, and then, of course, when when Derek got hurt in in the first game against Philadelphia, that changed everything.
1: Yeah, no, no doubt about it. You mentioned a second ago about you know coming back this year and after after having a summer, and I think a lot of people looked at, oh, it's just Tibbs taking care of his guy, and then he goes out and he puts up 50 against the Jazz, and you saw the emotion after the game. And I don't think you needed to be validated, like, see, I told you this guy could still play. But that that had to mean a lot to you to see him have that type of night.
2: Well, just to see what he went through. And, uh, you know, I had gone back because, you know, with my first year, uh, or actually it was the the second year, we had looked into signing him as a free agent. And, we, you know, I, I went through a lot of his games with New York, and he really had a, a very good year in New York, and that's what people do. And I I watched a lot of his head-to-head games against the best uh, point guards in the league. And so that you know, I felt that he still had a lot left in the tank. And then I thought the, you know, it didn't work out for him uh, the next year when he went to Cleveland. And, um, you know, and, and I thought when we got him that people forget this. Uh, you know, Jimmy got hurt uh, the second half of the season last year. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we were a three seed when he got hurt. But we had a long way to go uh, to uh, to get into the playoffs. And when we picked up Derek, I think we were six and three with Derek down, down the stretch. And he gave us a big shot in the arm to to get into the playoffs. And I think we finished the game out of fourth. And then he was terrific in the playoffs. So that gave me confidence that I, I, I really felt with a good summer, that he would have a terrific season, and he did
1: I think a lot of people at the time too were like, "Oh no, or this is never gonna work, Derek playing with Jimmy again. I mean what would you say about that relationship, Tibbs?
2: Yeah, no it, it, I thought it was really good, I think you know when in the playoffs, you know, and i I saw it like as soon as Jimmy came back, Jimmy came back to play and he played in the last three games of the of the regular season. But when I saw those guys in practice together, it just reminded me of how good that backcourt was, you know, in in the capabilities that he had, that they had together, and that's why I felt so strongly going into the season. I felt that you know, with Jimmy and a healthy Derek, I thought the sky would be the limit for this team, and so uh, you know, it didn't work out. And, but Derek again had a terrific season, and I think. You know, Jimmy is in a far different place than he was when he was back in Chicago, and and so is Derek. But I think they both have uh, great respect for each other, and they both have great love for the game.
1: How would you describe what, what happened with Jimmy this year? I mean, from a distance, I was just sitting there, look, you're you're in a great place, there's a ton of talent there. But for whatever reason, it just didn't, you know, his mind or whatever was going on, like, how would you describe what was happening with Jimmy, you know, going into the season and, you know, getting traded?
2: Yeah, you know, it was unfortunate, and I think that's a, it's the reality of, you know, today's NBA. I, I think, you know, we weren't the only team to to uh, go through that. You know, you're, you're seeing it all over the league, and it's unfortunate. And I, I felt strongly that this was the, the best place for him. But, you know, Jimmy didn't feel that way, so unfortunately, uh, it didn't work out. And there were a lot of uh, reasons that went into that, and You know, and normally I would say that you know, when a player uh, is at the end of his contract and he's earned the right to be a free agent, he has those options. But in today's NBA, we're seeing players move around a a lot more uh, frequently.
1: Yeah. Do you do you regret not doing something in the summer?
2: Well, I didn't know. I, I I really thought that we would be able to work everything out. Yeah. And based on, you know, with, in in doing that deal that we did with Chicago, that I felt it was a really good deal for both teams. And and by that I mean, you know, we, we had not been in the playoffs in 13 years. We had 12 consecutive years of losing seasons. So I knew we had to change it. And, uh, you know, when Jimmy came in, everything changed. And all of a sudden it opened the door for us to go get other great players that wanted to come here. And then... Uh, you know, I think when Jimmy got hurt, we were third in the West. I believe we were 27-10 uh, and 10 in the West when Jimmy played. We ended up with a 34-18 and 18 record in the West, which tied a franchise record. So Jimmy had great impact on the team. And he missed, you know, the second half of the season. So in looking back to, you know, lift the franchise out of that hole, I thought Jimmy brought a lot to the table for us. And, mm-hmm. You know, and I thought like we had really good young players that were, you know, they were going to get better over time. When you look at uh, Carly Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins, and if you and when you look back to, you know, where, uh, you know, when Jimmy came into the league, Jimmy wasn't the player that he is today. So I thought we had a, a, a lot of weapons. I, the West is a killer. It's you know, it's tough. It's um, there's 14 teams that are, that are that are loaded, so it's tough to get wins. And, but I thought we made a huge jump. We improved by 16 games. You win 47. I think that was the fifth highest win total in franchise history. Uh, you know, we were selling the place out going down the stretch. So uh, Jimmy did a great job for us, and uh, I've got great respect for him.
1: Yeah, and any young team, they, they need a vet, do they not? I mean, if you go back to the, the Celtics teams where, you you know, you won a title in 08 as uh, an assistant under Doc with, with, with KG and Ray Allen, R- R- John Rondo. I mean that team You they, once that team got Garnett,
2: everything changed, right? Yeah, and, you know, and I think you have to have a blend and that's what I liked about the makeup of our roster. Uh, you know, we, as I mentioned, we had the young guys who I, I thought had, you know, obviously they have very bright futures and uh, you know, Kat and, and Andrew and then you have Jimmy who's an all-NBA player uh, and then you you add in a guy like Rose who's uh, you know, and has been an all-star. And if he's healthy, he's going to be terrific. And then Jeff Teague was huge for us, and a terrific player. And then, of course, getting Taj, uh, we felt that we had a, a really good team, you know, and we had a good opportunity in front of us. But you know, oftentimes that that can change very quickly, and, and it did. Do you, Tibbs, Do you want to coach again? Oh yeah, you know, uh, you know, we'll sit back, we'll see what opportunities come. Come my way, or you know, and if there's something that's a good fit, I'm certainly look at it. Would Would you want
1: like both titles? Would that be kind of a I have to have? No, no. And that
2: was you know, like if that just you know, it, it presented itself to come here, but that was never a prerequisite. I didn't have to be the president, um, you know. So it's a it's a tough job. I think I learned a lot from it. Uh, you know, it's not as easy as it looks, nor is coaching. You know, so, uh, but you want to be with a group that's tied together and philosophically is on the same page and, you know, you're aligned and you have the same beliefs and, you know, what's important to you and what wins in this league. You know, I felt, you know, I've I've been very fortunate throughout my career. I had an opportunity to, you know, work in Boston with the Celtics, the, you know, and the banners, 17 banners there and. You know, you, I look at Chicago. There's six banners there. New York has two banners. You know, Houston. So I've been around some winning organizations, and so I, I think I have a pretty good idea of what that looks like. And um, you know, but you're, you're you're looking for you know new and different challenges. And you know, I understood when I took the job in Minnesota what it was going to be about, and I wanted that challenge. So that's why I did it for that. I certainly don't have to be the president or nor GM. Know coaching is what I love to do, so that's what I'm going to look to do.
1: You get banged on, too, I, I think, on Like, Tibbs is all about basketball and basketball, and he and he's in the office at 6 a.m., and he doesn't leave until midnight. Don't, isn't a large part of the reason that you've attained the success that you have is because you were of a singular mindset? Like, that, if you look at anyone who's had great success in life – on the court, Michael, Kobe, LeBron, they live it. I mean, there's no, you can't be one foot in, one foot out. It doesn't work that way if you want to reach the top. So I always thought that, to me, that's something that's great about Tom. You know that he's going to be all in for you and for the team.
2: Yeah, well, I'm never going to apologize for working hard. It's what I believe in. I don't think anything great was ever achieved without you know great effort or work. Uh, but I also think you have to be uh, who you are. And that's sort of like what my personality is and what I believe in. And I'm not saying that that's the only way to do something. Uh, you know, there's plenty of other ways to, and that's what coaching is. Some coaches do it a lot differently. But for me, I think that's what works best. It's what I believe in. And, I'm, you know, I'm not going to change that.
1: Who gets credit for that work ethic? Where would that come from?
2: I learned that from my parents. You know, uh, I saw my dad how hard he worked every day, you know, and my mom the same. And so, uh, and I was fortunate. I played for you know a number of great high school coaches, college coaches, and that was what I was taught. And then I had the opportunity to work for a number of uh, great coaches, and I was involved with great teams. And I saw the work ethic of those people, and the commitment that that each every each and every person made. And how you bring the best out in each other and it's usually the commitment to uh, to to work together for a common goal and if you do that great things can happen so uh, in at the end of the day we all really only answer to ourselves only we know whether we're you know putting every everything we have into something and I think once you do that, that's all you can do and then you never have any regrets
1: what what kind of work do your parents do?
2: Uh, my dad was a purchasing agent for a steel company, uh, and my mother worked in licensing for the state of Connecticut.
1: And then, the, and and then, young Tom goes to Salem State, and is a combo three four with 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 uh, with dreams of. Did were you thinking at all? You had a chance to play at least overseas or anything like that? I know you were a little a little undersized.
2: No. Yeah, it was more of a uh, like a small forward, off guard, and we played with three guards in college. Okay, uh, But, uh, we, you know, I never, you know, when you're in Division 3 you're not thinking you're playing <laughs> professionally. But I had bounced around and gone to Central Connecticut first, then I went to junior college, then I ended up at Salem State. But by my junior year in college, I knew I wanted to coach. And, you know, I love competition, so I started to study coaching and I was very fortunate because uh, at the time I started at coaching at Salem and then I went coached at Harvard and uh, there were great coaches in that area at that particular time. Uh, Gary Williams was at uh, Boston College, Jim Calhoun was at northeastern uh Rick Patino was at Providence College, so you had three Hall of Fame coaches that were in your backyard, so I got over to as many practices as I could, and I learned a ton that way and you know, and then I, you know, worked for great coaches, and so um, I never even thought of coaching the pros. I thought it would be college, and then I met Bill Musselman, and that changed everything.
1: Where, where did the confidence come from that you could call these guys up and say, "Hey, can I come watch
2: practice?" Yeah, well, like all all coaches, I think when you start off, you you know, you you get advice from you know your college coach or your high school coaches, and they tell you you know, okay, start working summer camps, go to as many clinics as you can. So when you have an opportunity to see some of those guys uh, speak as clinicians, you know, like you you develop relationships and then you would call up, you you might get to see them on the road recruiting or you bump into them and you ask them if it would be possible to come and watch practice and those guys were great about it. There were you know a number of uh, guys that would go and I always found you know, a lot of times you can go to clinics and, you know, it's, it's people talking about things. But when you're actually watching them coach their own team, you can really pick up the points of emphasis and see how they teach something. So I always got a lot more out of that. So I couldn't get enough of that. And, then, you know, when you're in the Ivy League, they start a week later than, than everyone. And then there's a two-week week break during the middle of the season during finals where you can go and observe people practicing where where you're not practicing. So um, I was very uh, fortunate from that standpoint.
1: What was Tark like?
2: Amazing, amazing. You know, uh, I'd say the the biggest thing is, like, he had great communication skills. Uh, He got his team to really believe uh, in playing as a team and playing incredibly hard and he had a really unique ability to uh, get you to believe in yourself that you, and, you know, obviously the, you know, the record is pretty clear in terms of he believed in giving people second chances and he believed in people and he gave them great confidence, but just the way he cared about people was really special. And then uh, I thought that his ability uh, to teach a pressure system and attacking system uh, and he was a great fundamental coach. Uh, if you went to his practices, uh, you would see how much time he had put into, you know, fundamentals and individual development. And, but he, his big thing is he didn't want it uh, complicated. He, you know, he said the more you, you make them think about, the slower they get. And, uh, he was he was terrific.
1: Yeah, I, I just don't think that uh, Jerry Tarkanian get, gets enough credit for what he did. I mean, people look like, oh, you know, all the talent, UNLV, the running Rebels, but it just always seemed like there was a lot more going on. And for people that are not getting the – you were with him in San Antonio when he was in the NBA for a brief Right. Break. Yeah. Uh, w- can you take me back to when Jeff Van Gundy is, is grabbing on Alonzo Morning's legs and what you were thinking? <laughs> yeah,
2: it was you know, it, it was a different day back then. And, you a, know, I think if you talk to – you know, a lot of the people that, you know, played in the 90s, it was such a different game. The physicality of those games was incredible. Like, sometimes when you see the highlights, you just shake your head. You, you know, like, you, there probably could have been a fight on every play. There there would be so many flagrant fouls and suspensions that were occurring today. But I think that was, you know, like, I think as fans and you know, as coaches and players, what you want to see is great competition, and and the competition was fierce. And so uh, it seemed like every year that we were rolling into, you know, we play Miami in the playoffs, we would play Chicago, and we play Indiana. And but the Miami series, uh, that was, it was just there, and there were so many subplots to it. You know, where uh, Pat Riley, who's you know certainly like an all-time great in terms of all the things that he's done he left new york to go to miami so you had that twist to it and then you had the ewing and alonzo twist to it and you know larry johnson and alonzo there were so many things you had stan and jeff uh but it was the, i think back to those series and i think every year it ended up with you know uh fights and suspensions and uh, but it was—I think it was four straight years. But uh, that play—that play that, it was on the last play of the game—and yeah. so—and uh, that was that was a big hit, obviously, uh, you know, for us losing uh, Larry. But we ended up winning that series. Um, but it was, you know, and I think what happened was when Jeff, Jeff was, you know, trying to break it up before the punch was thrown, because obviously the game was over and we had won, so you don't want to lose a player and he got and what people don't know he got hit by a punch and so he was like basically hanging on for dear life and so but uh it's actually uh, you look at it today it's pretty fun
1: I mean you got to have a certain level of, of courage slash craziness in you to to go out there at his size I'm I mean I was scared to ask Alonzo, back in the day, I was just starting out. Tips, I was afraid to ask him a question after the game because they were always coming in Chicago, (laughs) and and it lost with the Hornets. You walked into that locker room morning, Anthony Mason. I mean, these guys were angry.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, you think about the like the style of play back then too. Is you had really you had uh, you know power forwards that were playing small forward. You know, we had Oakley and Larry Johnson was our three. And uh, in today's NBA, the, you know, the small forwards are now the power forwards. You know, it's a it's a much faster game. There's a lot more finesse. There's a lot more shooting. And that was the intent of the rule changes, is to open the game up. And I think it's it worked very effectively. I think the, the game itself is in a great place. It's a very entertaining game. Um, so the league has done a great job with that.
1: So you actually like the style now more, because fans go back and forth on this. You know, they they miss the old school, but then some people like that's wide open.
2: Yeah, I think you know, and it's always you know you always say oh it was better the way it was, but I think you know they keep you know adding things that make it better, and what we all want to see is just great competition. Like it, uh, if the you know if the Bulls have a great team and the Knicks have a great team and they're going against it. Each other. Everyone wants to watch that. That's what you know. That's what sports uh, are. You know, you you want to see great. It's two heavyweights. You want to see them go. You know, and that's what makes it entertainment entertaining. And I think there are there are a lot of great teams right now, like in in the league. I think that you know what Milwaukee's doing is terrific. It's an exciting story. I think you know to watch Golden State uh, year after year. You know. It, and it's similar to what the Bulls have gone through. It's hard to maintain your, that high standard and to be driven the same way when every year you're, you know, you're playing late into the year like they are. Uh, and they seem to have managed that extremely well. You know, so their organization should get a lot of credit for that. And just watching how the teams are you know, developing, I think that the East has gotten a lot stronger. I think you, when you look at uh, the way uh, Toronto has played, Milwaukee has played, uh Philly is coming on they they made some major trades during the season, and the the team that I think is real dangerous is Boston. I think they're they're built for the playoffs
1: see I think and that's that's interesting because I think the Celtics are going to come out of the east but uh, i'm i'm I feel like I'm a alone on the branch there Tibbs. do you if you had to put a couple couple dollars on it, who do you think comes out of
2: the east? Uh, that that's a great question, but I agree with you i I think Boston is really strong. I I don't like the injury to Smart because I think he brings so much toughness to that team. But in some ways, they they almost this year was harder for them than last year because they had almost too much talent. You know, with with uh, getting Gordon Hayward back and and Kyrie being back, and now you're you're dividing up the playing time even even more. So sometimes guys aren't in the same rhythm. I thought. Last year, Rozier really played well, and I I thought we saw the emergence of Tatum and Brown. Uh, But I like the the depth, and I think the way they play, their defense is terrific. Uh, Baines is a big part of that. Horford is a big part of that.
1: Are you enjoying watching it, or does it kind of just sort of eat at you?
2: No, I love it. I mean this this time of the year is the best time of the year. You know, just watching all the games and you know how hard everyone's going at each other. Uh, you know, and you're trying to look at what the, you know what's going to happen next, and it's uh, it's great entertainment.
1: Yeah, I I, I love it too. Hey, uh, just a just a couple wrapping up here. Just back to Derek. Did, did it bother you the way the city turned on Derek? It, it, it bothered me a, a lot. I, I don't know if I don't know if you felt that. You know, you have a zillion things going on, but you know, watching the, the film and just sort of reliving it a little bit. What, what were you What were you thinking at the time when people were starting to turn on Derek?
2: Well, you know, it's 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 very interesting to me, and that's why I said, like, I'm really glad he did the documentary because I think that that will help people understand what he was going through. Um, but I, I know, uh, in just in general, like from having him here in Minnesota, like every arena that we went to, you see the, uh, all these kids with his jersey on, uh, wearing his jersey. And then, you know, I did an appearance at the uh, NBA store in New York, and they have I mean, he's one of the uh, players that's featured there, in, in a Chicago Bulls uniform no less. So I think he's always going to be associated with that city. And then when we went back to play, when he came out of the tunnel, the place just went crazy. And so like, I think, you know, and I remember that day what really stood out to me is when we left the hotel, all the people that were outside, you know, just waiting for him to come out and the reception he, he you know, he received there and then all the signs on the ride to the arena, you know, like that, it was special. And I think, As time goes on, I think there'll be a greater and greater appreciation for what he did. Uh, When you think about it, you know, he drafted number one, his hometown team, and then to lift that team up the way he did. um, You know, I I think now when people look back, they realize, hey, that's pretty special what he did. And, you know, he got hurt. There's nothing he could have done about that. So, uh, and Derek's always going to love Chicago. I think Chicago's always going to love him. Uh, I think you know, and you could see from out, uh, from uh, the entire documentary how important and what the Bulls meant to the, to Derek. So I think he felt great responsibility to that organization. He he grew up idolizing the Bulls, you know. So um, you know that's I think he's always going to be associated with the city and that team.
1: Yeah, and I don't know if it's the right time, but there's this perception out there that the Bulls organization is dysfunctional and, you know, look what happened with Tibbs and look what happened before that with Phil and whoever else you want to throw in there, and players don't want to play in Chicago. But, I, you know, I, it seems to me that Derek would want to come back, and I would, I would guess that Joaquin would probably want to come back, and I would think that Taj, these guys are all free agents, might want to play back in Chicago. I mean, do, do, you, do you think those guys would be open to playing here?
0: Well,
2: I think, you know, anytime, like, if you look back at that time and when you talk to those guys and they're very vocal uh, about it, they all enjoyed their time there. It's a great city. It's a great organization. There's a lot of tradition there. And, you know, I think Derek's a free agent. He's got to do what he thinks is best for himself and his family, as all free agents do. But uh, I think that, if you know, he gets a good offer, I mean, I don't, I don't see why anyone wouldn't want to play there. Um, but it's uh, again, you know, there's there's a lot of great cities in this league, uh, and it's also how it fits basketball-wise. It, you know, you don't want to go to a place where if, you, if they're rebuilding and you're at the end, maybe that's not the right fit at that particular time. Or maybe if they're looking for veteran le- le- veteran leadership, and it is the right time. Every situation's different. And that's why you have to study each situation and then do what you think is best for yourself and, and uh, your family. And, but I know you, know, you know, I was really happy for Joe Keene this year. Uh, he had been through a lot, and it, it was a long road back. But just to see the exuberance on his face again and how happy he was to be playing, I mean, I, I really enjoyed watching him play. And I think he regained his confidence, and I think I'm hopeful that he's healthy again. But I thought he had a terrific year. So, you know, and I think, you know, Joaquin is always very honest with himself. Like, I think when he looks back, he's you know, he was terrific in Chicago. Yet, you know, when Derek went out, that's what I was really proud of those guys for. They never gave up. They kept fighting and fighting. Uh, there was no quit in them. And, you know, Joaquin did a lot of great things there. And, you know, I know Taj is... Taj still has a lot left in the tank. I can tell you that. And, you know, he Taj was great in, in uh, Chicago. He did the same thing in OKC. He did the same thing here at Minnesota. And uh, anyone who's spent any time around him, you know the type of guy he is. He's team first, whether he starts, comes off the bench. He just wants to help the team win. Uh, and he's about as versatile as, he, as they come. He's added the three-point shot, which is... You know he shot he's with a lot of confidence out of the corners. Uh, still can defend multiple guy uh, positions. Um, so I think he's got a lot. I think he'll have some some very good options going into next year as well. You just made
1: me think about Joe real fast and how he, he became a top five player in the league uh, under your guidance. And obviously he gets the credit for putting in the work, but you you made him a point center Tibbs when when Derek was out. That was a, that was truly an incredible year for him.
2: Yeah, just he, he's really a gifted passer. Uh, it's an innate sense that he has. If you cut and you're open, built, he's going to hit you. And he can see things. He's got great vision, and usually you don't see that in bigs. Well, you're, and we're seeing more skill in in the bigs where you know they're shooting the ball, but the way he passes uh, and to be able to open up the floor when he when he has the ball in the middle of the floor at the top of the key, uh, just put a lot of pressure on the defense. And he knows who he's looking for. He knows who's going to cut well. He knows who's going to take the handoff well. Um, I thought he was invaluable uh, to our team. Uh, And he helped us win, which is the most important thing. And then, you know, those hustle plays that he makes, and and that's why him being hurt, right, I think that, his game was based on you know the athleticism, the timing, the effort, and when he couldn't give that to you, that hurt him. And, but I, I think he's got the bounce back. Uh, but the, the hustle plays get just does so much for your team spirit. Those type of things do nothing but unite and inspire the team. And then you get guys flying all over the place, and that's when it's that's when it's great and it's a lot of fun. And the impact on winning uh, was huge.
1: Well, Tibbs, I. Greatly appreciate the time today, uh, sitting down here for 40 minutes or whatever so I, I know you're you got things going on, but let, let me just say this to you: I grew up in Chicago. I my the Bulls were always basketball was always my number one. I loved Orlando Woolridge, Quentin Daly, before Michael came here, and then that was the greatest thing that any kid could ever have was watching Michael's career from his rookie year through. It was it was so much fun, and then the Bulls went away until the Derrick Rhodes draft and then you you coming in here and that squad and it brought basketball back to where it should be in Chicago so for Bulls fans I just want to thank you for for everything you put in your five years here it was so much fun watching that team and uh, I'm excited for your next opportunity man I can't wait to see wherever you turn up in the league and and I know you'll, you'll do incredibly well wherever it
2: is. Thanks Mark I appreciate your kind words thanks for having me on.